Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday mornings come around again, and it's time for Let's Talk Gardening. Greetings, gardening friends. We are looking forward to chatting with you today. I have two gardening experts, not one, two gardening experts in the studio with me this morning. Darren Thorpe and Mark Tuchek will be co-hosting today's entire program. Now, when you call in, your first point of contact is the beautiful Bev Daring. You can give call. You can call Bev now on 94841927. Researcher and Chief Garden Show Chef extraordinaire John Glidden is always standing by to look after us and keep us all in line. Now, Alan Simons kicked off the morning in excellent form with his trademark wick and imagination, let's just say that. And uh, the secret's out, Alan. Thank you for sharing that with uh, all of our listeners. And Peter Kelly was his wingman today. Good on you, boys. Thank you so much. Cycling DJ Jim Crinan wrapped up breakfast this morning with his cycling update just now. And Jim will return Next week, of course, he will. Good morning. What a morning we're going to have. There is so much to talk about and so much to do. Lots of giveaways on air today. Uh, grab grab your pen, listeners, and uh, we've got lots to talk about with regard to what's coming up. We will fill up your diaries for you. It's nice to see you both. Who can talk first? <laughs> morning, Darren. Morning, Ray. Uh, yeah. Morning, morning, Ray. Morning, yeah, just Mark. Wanna... We can both talk underwater. So I, I, This I know. Yes, this I know. It's going to so, be an arm wrestle. Yes. We've got the Perth Garden Festival coming up on the 11th to the 14th of May at Langley Park. It's come around quick because we had it later last year, didn't we, due to COVID reasons and so yes, forth. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's going to be, what? what's your perception of how it's going to be? Will there be some show gardens this year? They tell me there's going to be more than ever before. Is that so? That's what I'm told. Okay. And This I like to hear. And there's a few actually nurseries prefer this time of year because they've got a lot of stock from the, yeah. uh, the warm growing weather. Suits us better too. And uh, we're going to have a nice display there ourselves. You're you're going to yes. All right. So, what could listeners expect to see in your what, what you're exhibiting, what you're presenting? Well, I've, I'm wearing two hats again. I've got uh, the Tucker Bush Tucker Bush display, and I'll also have the water plants, uh, the water green display there as well. But uh, with Tucker Bush, we're trying to get something a little bit different. So we're doing kind of ancient plants with like more modern growing techniques. So we're using hydroponics. And uh, and that's we're kind of doing that for people that don't have their own little uh, backyard, so they only might have a courtyard exactly. or a balcony. So you can grow these uh, native uh, tucker bush plants just in a small area, and we're going to show people how to do that. And what about with your water plants? What are you mm. going to do with those? Water plants, as always, uh, Tony from uh, Think Green is going to do a little uh, pond for us, and uh, we're also going to have water plant edible water plants in like a modern hydroponic setting as well too so people don't realize there's so many edible water plants that you can grow just in a small area yeah and uh so we'll have those on display as well i I have to say my favorite edible water plant would have to be water chestnuts 
because you can't the ones you buy in the the can are completely different from the fresh ones yeah they're so easy to grow you can grow them in a bucket just a bucket of water and they just don't need much care they're like a bit of wet soggy soil in the bottom of the, the bucket and uh, we use a bit of uh, osmocote actually in the uh, in the water and they grow really well during the warm weather they start to go dormant this time of the year though and that's yeah, when so you start to harvest them okay yeah. okay so yeah. they're really good so can i tell you what i'm doing at I, the garden I, festival? I was just about to ask you <laughs> you'll be speaking of course i will be speaking so i organize the speakers at the garden festival so mm. we have a really wide range of speakers um Mark's one of the speakers who'll be talking there, but we have um, every day from about 10 o'clock, we've got speakers every hour on the half hour. It's going to be compared by um, John Colwell. Mm -hmm. And we've not just got um, people that you would have heard of, you know, horticultural experts, members of the horticultural media, but we've also got sort of experts, um, so people from different societies who come in, like the Bonsai Society. We've got um, women coming in every day, well, three three of the four days um, to do floral displays as well, oh, using like foliage um, mm. and, and flowers from the garden. So mm. there's something there for everyone. everyone. And I recommend, you know, work out which day you're going to come in, but look at the program oh, and yeah. see if there's someone or something that you want Appeals. to see. I mean, once you're in, um, it's all included. So that's mm. really good. The other thing I'm doing is I um, organise and compare the Clean Heat Kitchen. So this is on um, every year. We've got four amazing chefs um, and three times on weekdays, four times on the hour um, on the weekend. They do a cooking demo and there's um, samples for everyone in the audience. Well, we do up to 80 samples. So um, if you're there and watch, you get a little sample of what they're cooking. Mm. And we're cooking with gas, so a lot Mm. of things are charred and wood-fired. And we've got some of the IT chefs, so we've got um, we've got Kenny McHenry, who McCarty, sorry, who actually was in the newspaper today. He's at Manuka, um, so he's um, you know he's one of the it chefs. We've also got uh, Rowan Park, who's mm-hmm. from um, oh, what's it called again? It's the um, McOlds Young, no Young Olds. It's uh, old young distillery. Old, old young distillery yeah. out in the Swan Valley. We've got Caroline Taylor, and we've got a new chef that we've not had before, um, Casey Lister, who's a cookbook author and a gardener. Who she writes in the Sunday Times. So mm. it's going to be such good fun. It I love is. doing so it much. Mm. so much to um, across that four days as well. Yeah. Well, I I love looking at gardens design gardens that's my thing but we all have different things that we go there for but i certainly like to make a day of it yeah well rowan um he's a a mad bush food uh nut and uh so he actually we supplied a a lot of tucker bush plants in their garden and so Mm. he actually uses produce out of the garden in his recipes so um and dishes so if you if you want to try a, a native Ingredient meal, I highly recommend. Going and to they're see. delicious, they're absolutely fantastic, really delicious. So one of the one of the dishes he's doing has um, myrtle, lemon myrtle as the, the as as the flavouring, and the other one um, is flavoured with tucker bush herbs. So okay. so we're going to have some fresh herbs there and some dried herbs, so people can see what it's like. I mean, yeah. things have changed. It's not all about the Mediterranean herbs Anymore. or the Asian herbs, which are what we're used to cooking with. Um, we can use our own native ingredients. Yeah. 
which I love. What's that great restaurant that uses? I mean, I know a lot of restaurants are using native ingredients now. The one I love at um, the Como. That's um, Wildflower. Wildflower. Oh, yes. Yep. So we supply uh, Chef Michael there with wow. products every week. Mm. And uh, Mandoon Estate also, uh, there's Wild Swan Restaurant in Mandoon. They, they are utilising as they well. They use products yeah. as well. Um, Will Street in Leaderville, mm. uh, they also use native products too. And a uh, new pop-up one, uh, North Beach Deli, just on West Coast Highway. They've started using the ingredients too, so look out for them. Yeah, go and sample, go and mm. have a meal, absolutely. And what's really wonderful is that some of them you can use in sweets as well. Like yes. I always love the lemon myrtle, which, you know, lemon myrtle panna cotta is one of the, the favourites yeah. of yeah. mine. Yes. <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! Here's it's, one I prepared earlier. <laughs> we have a lemon myrtle tree in front of us, everyone. Yeah, it's yeah. really, it's a really pretty plant. Like it will make it yeah. gorgeous. It's great in a pot, I think. Really good in a pot, and even the flowers are edible too. So you can is actually, that so? You can eat the flowers. All edible. And uh, these ones are finishing now, so they're just kind of like the little bit of uh, bracts that are left. But uh, yeah, you can actually even dry the flowers and just um, grind them up too, if you want to do uh, some grind some dried native herbs, and uh, lemon myrtle is just very versatile. It really um, is. It's so popular and uh, just about being used for everything. You can use it savoury dishes or sweet dishes. Fish. Fish is very popular. Um, Chicken uh, dishes as well, it lends itself to. But, yeah, great pot specimen. doesn't grow well by the coast, doesn't like limey soil, so um, slightly acidic or Mm -hmm. neutral pH. But very good pot specimens, so use a good quality potting mix and full sun, probably a little bit of shade and out from our hot afternoon, afternoon. summer sun, but uh, this time of the year it takes full sun. But it's a winner. It's a winner. And we just keep just trimming the leaves off and uh, whatever we don't use fresh, we just dry and you can put it in tea as well, very yeah. popular in teas. Yeah. I think that the, the uh, European herb it most tastes like is maybe lemon verbena. Yes, well lemon verbena is quite strong. And oh, have a smell. Have a, I'm going to have a I know. sniff uh, test. So, but um, oh, that's divine. That is beautiful. It's amazing. But I love anything citrusy. I so there's like a, a citral scale, and believe it or not, um, lemons are in one of the lowest categories. Yeah. So I think there's only about six or seven percent citral in a lemon, and then I think it goes up to lemongrass, uh, which has got a higher content, and then lemon verbena. Uh, I think Mm. that's about 40-something percent. But then lemon myrtle has actually got around 90% citrus. So it's actually the the queen of all lemony herbs, believe it or not. I I do believe it. (laughs) um, I've just eaten a flower and I've never eaten a a lemon myrtle flower before and it was a little burst of citrus. It was was yum. Now, Let's Talk Gardening is sponsored by Garden in a Bag, free delivery when buying six bags or more. And let's talk about what... We have coming up today on the show. We are crossing to Dr. Daryl Hardy at 20 past. So that's coming up in five minutes. Now, he's been honoured with a prestigious Biosecurity Lifetime Achievement Award for his 48 years of service. So we're going to chat with Daryl very soon about this award, how it all came about, what it means. And, of course, we wanted to celebrate that a little bit with him on Let's Talk Gardening. Now, I have amazing giveaways today. We have our Green Life Soil Co. voucher, $75 voucher up for grabs, as well as a $75 voucher from Bigger Trees. We also have something a little bit special. We have a 
double voucher to go to one of Costa's chats, which is coming up on the 13th of May. And that you get to choose which chat you want to go to. So it's a double voucher. You will get a photo opportunity with Costa and one and Costa's latest book as well, which he will sign for you. This is coming up on the 13th of May. There's an opportunity to win that today as well. So Wow, it's Great a prize. big yeah. day. Yeah. yeah, it really is. I've just got to find all my paperwork, which I shall. Now, you both, I know you've been travelling a lot because... I see it on Facebook, and even just locally, you've got a grandchild. I think you're visiting quite I, a lot. I have, so uh, I've got a little uh, my first grandson, uh, Bo, yeah. and uh, Monique's up in Caratha. So uh, we've been lucky enough to go up there, yeah. and uh, even um, just a couple of weeks ago, we were lucky enough to get up to Broome at the back end of the cyclone. So we flew around the back of the cyclone to get to Broome, and we saw the eclipse. And there was even an earthquake oh, up there. Really? Yeah. really? <laughs> it was all happening. Um, so there was a great experience in Broome and uh, went on another bush food tour. So uh, Robert Dan up there runs a, a local tour through through Broome. Highly recommend it. We, um, he showed us the, uh, the gubbins or the kakadu plum. Mm, mm. And uh, just a bit of uh, Broome history and uh, the Aboriginal connection there. So that was really fascinating. So if you get up to Broome, highly recommend that. Yeah, yeah. I love Broome. And uh, so um, and I've actually been invited to speak at the, the National Bush Food Conference, which is coming up at the end of May in Queensland. So I'll be travelling over there shortly. So Well, we'll have to hook you up to see some nice gardens while you're there too. I know. There's always lovely things in Queensland. Yes, so. indeed. And you've also been travelling... A lot and more to come this year. Yes, well, I, as people who know me know, I, you do tours. I work as a garden tour guide for Travel Right. Terrible um, job. Yeah. yeah, so I've been to South Australia and saw some amazing gardens. So, what I liked about travelling through South Australia is they have a climate more like ours, um, you know, hot and dry, Mediterranean. Yes, um, and we saw some amazing gardens where people um, are looking at gardens in a new way. So, they'll have some structure in the garden, but some of it they'll let go completely wild, including some things that we will consider to be weedy. Mm. Um, so yeah, so very interesting, and I, I can say that um, the some of the gardens we saw really made people think um, that gardening is is it might not be changing, but people's perception of what is a garden is changing. Yeah. So that was really good. Mm. So um, off to France. Um, in June on a garden tour next year and later in the year I've got a wonderful tour to the South Island of um, New Zealand which mm. I'm always excited about because that's where my son and my two grand um, grandchildren are who are only almost one and um, oh, almost gee. three so um, yeah, so I love um, getting there as often as possible and also means that I've been and seen a lot of the gardens there so I know mm. that quite well um, and next year I've got a tour to Italy back to Italy again so, um, yeah, I, I, I love travelling, but also spending time looking at our own gardens because we've got some own great gardens open this year as well, haven't we? We've we got, do. We've got some open gardens, and I think we'll we be do. talking about that later. Yes, well, actually, we've got two gardens open this weekend, uh, and they are what they refer to as sustainability gardens, okay? So we will talk a little bit more about that. There's two open this weekend and uh, 
yeah, focusing on sustainability. But right now we're going to have a short break. I will gather up more of my information and we will be chatting with Dr. Daryl Hardy. Let's hear about this fabulous award he's won, richly deserved. 100.1 You are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. Special guests in the studio with me this morning, Mark Tuchek and lovely Darren Thorpe. Now, do give us a call. Don't waste the opportunity to speak to these guys, 94841927. Also known as Dr. Bugalugs, we have Dr. Daryl Hardy online. How are you, Daryl? Thanks for letting us speak with you this morning. Oh, that's fine, Ray. I see we've got three of my fa- favourite garden people in today. <laughs> we do. We're, you're spoilt for choice. The listeners certainly are today. Faye, Faye's having, uh, the, obviously having the day off and she sort of covered herself extremely well. Yeah. Not one, no but two. Of, no shortage of talent today. No, no, no. Absolutely. Tell us all about you. Now, you're in Perth at the moment? Yeah, yeah. You yeah, are? In Perth. You were in Canberra yeah. recently, I take it. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, yeah, I got um, asked to go to the Australian Biosecurity Awards and um, got to meet the Federal Minister for Agriculture and he um, congratulated me and presented me with a Lifetime Achievement Award, the, the David Banks Award. So that was uh, really quite exciting and, um, yeah, uh, I, I did see it coming, but um, <laughs> <laughs> they, tell you, they tell you months in advance and they just tell you to keep, keep it secret. Keep it quiet, yeah. Yeah, so um, all the background work you've got to do for it as well. How many years of background work did you have to do, Daryl? Okay, well, <laughs> coming Friday, it'll be 48 years with the department, Daryl. Good grief. 48 yeah. years. Boy, you must have seen some changes. Uh, yeah, some good and some uh, yeah, not so good. But, yeah, yeah I've seen, seen lots and lots of changes, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really it's really interesting because they said, "Oh, you're going to go, yeah, you because know, I'll be retiring shortly." And they said, "Oh, you're going to have a, a big send off or something like that." And I go, "Well, most of the people I've worked with have already gone." Oh. And, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it's a bit of an anticlimax almost. Yeah, but could, um, could we talk yeah. about some of the highlights of your career because you've been involved in the the flight against, a fight against the Queensland fruit fly and all yeah. sorts of things. Can you mm. mention, because people don't really know what the Agriculture Department, do, well, I know you're not called that now. I know you're part of the biodiversity, whatever it's called. But no, no, that's not even that one. That's, that's DBCA. That's the, oh. that's the conservation. They've changed. We're, we're deeper. deeper. We're primary industries and regional development, which is regional development, fisheries and, um, and the old ag. Okay, all right. So tell us about some of the things you've done that you're really proud of. All right, okay. Um, gee, well, you've mentioned Q-Fly, so we're actually just, um, they're eradicating Q-Fly from Bayswater at the moment, so this I, will be the ninth eradication. I see so many deeper cars, Daryl, around the Bayswater area. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I'm not actually directly involved in this one because I'm mostly on leave, cutting out leave before I retire, but yeah. uh, the last eight I've been involved with and... Um, yeah, we're very proud of the, the effort back in, uh, I think it was 2021, uh, when we did the um, Del Keith um, peppermint grove eradication. That was a massive effort um, by, you know, you could say literally hundreds of people. So um, that was great. And that was really challenging because it was a difficult one. And so I was involved as a subject matter expert. And, um, yeah, we had to come up with novel ways to actually... Um, eradicate the fruit fly because that was right smack bang in the middle of COVID as well so mm. it wasn't a simple case you could just knock on the front door and go in somebody's backyard or anything no. you have to go for all the COVID um, 
protocols and that. So that that was very, very challenging. Mm. Um, there's been other eradications and things like that as well. Um, and working um, to actually um, prepare Australia for um, um, incursions and also to protect our market access. So we've done a lot of work on trapping systems and surveys to show that we don't have pests. Uh, that other countries are worried about. Yeah. So um, setting all those up, working at the national level, um, I was chair for eight years of a thing called the Subcommittee for National Plant Health Surveillance, um, and that's all the states and the Commonwealth working together. Um, I'm very proud of the work that uh, I've been involved with, uh, yeah. with others at um, working with the Gorgon Gas Project in Chevron to protect Barrow Island from incursions of invertebrates and vertebrates and weeds and pathogens so I've been working on that since 2004 and um, yeah even minor things like tiger crickets which everybody's probably heard them or got them in their in their um, in their house and have seen them at the time um, they got an infestation there uh, and Barrow Island on the gas plant and they've actually spent a couple of years and a lot of money to eradicate them and been involved with that group that's been fantastic as well um, it just yeah, it can go on and on. I did. I really liked um, my time and the work I did with um, uh, the pea weevil for my uh, PhD, and you know, worked out how to um, breed peas that are resistant to the uh, the pea weevil. Um, that was really challenging and interesting. So um, yeah, and then just <clears throat> realizing that. Um, yeah, you know, working biosecurity, it's not just about what the government can do for you. You know, it is a shared responsibility. So working with the um, the community, yeah. and that includes radio stations like yourself mm. and the general community giving talks. I gave a talk just a couple of weeks ago to the Hoyer Society. Mm. Um, and, and that all sort of culminated in, you know, that's why you get these awards, because you do the extra yards, not just your nine-to-five job. Yeah, and you have done that. that. Yeah, you do incredibly well. And so that's the recognition um, for doing that extra work, I suppose. I get a nice piece of shiny glass. (laughs) (laughs) So, Daryl, did you say 48 years? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, they stole me out of school when I was twelve. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, how old are you? Like, no, really, because you're so young. Young. I, I, I was just doing the calculations. I thought you must have started when you were ten or something. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I say twelve, but I'll go with ten. All right, twelve. There you go. Well, put it this way: I just qualified recently. If I was, I could actually get the old age pension. Oh, <laughs> oh right. Well, congratulations, Dale. Yeah. What a, what a fantastic achievement. And uh, what a great um, asset for WA and Australia. Yeah, to have had. Yeah. And, have and, and everyone listening in, everyone out there can actually help out with biosecurity. We now have um, Paddis there. We have the wonderful app, yeah. um, which was developed um, well, with Yeah, the My Pest Guide app. Yeah, I forgot yep. to mention that. That was yep. a great achievement. And, and, and you know, Rob Big Emery uh, and I you know, put that together, but now... That's run by the My Pest Guide Reporter team. And, and you know yourself, Darren, you know, having worked with me for those couple of years and with the Pattis uh, people, and and that was um, Murray Braxburn and myself, we really pushed to get that yep. like small call centre and where people could report, um, and that was going against the, the tide. You know, they wanted to get out of that sort of work. So that's been fantastic, that group. So, yeah, that's more stuff. 
Well, I mean, it's one of the important things is it's all very well having pests, but you want to know about them as soon as they come so you've got the opportunity to perhaps do something about them and eradicate them. And, you know, people at the ag department, they can't do it all. You need to have the eyes of everyone that's gardening or bushwalking out there helping and looking out for unusual things. Exactly. And look, the My Pest Guide app, yeah. It's become a thing now, so it's, it's used nationally and that, so it's great. And people say, oh, you must be very proud, blah, blah, blah. And I just say to them, I thought, look, actually, I'm, it's a failure at the moment. And they look at me and they go, look, but you get hundreds of thousands of reports. And I go, yeah, that's true, but we're still not getting things early enough. We, get, we got polyphagous shot hole borer using the app. That Is was, that so? We, right. need, we need over a million Australians to be using the app. And when they're in the garden or in the park or bushwalking or down the beach or whatever they're doing, they see something unusual or something they think is interesting to actually take a photo of it and send it in. And they'll give us the, the information to actually um, uh, find things earlier. And then it's very cheap to eradicate if you've only got, you know, a, you know somebody one backyard that's got the pest in it rather than across a whole suburb like you're seeing in Bayswater at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Are we, are we winning the war with the Q-Fly here? Yeah, well, well, it's 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 an ongoing war because we do eradicate it and then it comes back because it comes. People bring fruit. You, know, you wouldn't believe the amount of stuff that people bring in through the mail. Um, still, you know, uh, somebody's very proud of growing mandarins in New South Wales, and they and the, and their son, and their son or daughter moves to West Australia, so they send them mandarins. You know, because yeah. they're from their property when when they really shouldn't be doing that. You know. Yeah. Or caravans coming across and they might have, you know, um, a bag of apples. And, um, you know, mm. we always say to them, you can bring them across, but boil them up first. Make yourself <laughs> yeah. some apple sauce or, yeah. or the filling for pie yeah. or a crumble. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then process you can bring them, yeah. them in. Process the them. Too, um, with Carnarvon, uh, the grey nomads moving north, um, they, the last place where there's affordable, what they consider affordable fruit and vegetables and, and, and farm produce, they stock up in Carnarvon and then they head off to Kununurra. Now, Kununurra doesn't have Mediterranean fruit fly yeah. and it gets market access to the east coast and overseas without any treatment of the fruit. Um, but when you're moving fruit from um, Carnarvon up or, or even from Broome these days as, as Mediterranean fruit fly, yeah, it's kind of, it really compromises um, their market access and we have to run a trapping program to show we don't have medfly up there and every 10 years or so, we have to mount a, an eradication if, if Medfly does get into um, Kununurra. Wow. It's amazing ongoing work, Daryl. And uh, you have been a champion. It's, what's what's next for you, Squire? Well, what's, what next for me? Sorry, was that? Yeah. What's your next move? Oh, my next move? Well, yeah, retire. How's that boat looking? That boat, yeah, it's it's getting. Look, with COVID, everything slowed down. Oh, so yes. Some of the fittings still yes. aren't still aren't um, on it. So um, I've actually um, uh, it's in it's in getting re- uh, well not repaired. It's in getting um, the, the parts still put on it. So that should be hopefully ready in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I've got other friends with boats, so I'm going fishing Monday anyway. So that's good. <laughs> and I'm on a charter out of. Carnarvon next week, so uh, too. but yeah, and there's always the garden and there's yeah, travel, yes. and and I'll still come and talk to people on radio if they ask me to. Absolutely, we love that. Absolutely, thank you so very much, Daryl. I mean, it's a it's a great award. It's industry recognition as well, and uh, rich, richly deserved. And uh, we're yeah, very very that. proud to have you as part of our program uh, throughout the year.
Yeah, and, and just on industry, industry's been great. They've got some lovely emails and uh, WhatsApp chats and um, LinkedIn re- you know, feedback. So, yeah, oh, industry has cool. been very so good supportive. as well. So. Yeah. You're very popular. <laughs> we love you because we, yeah. there's also another name for you. It's Dr. Loverbugs. Which is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. not Bugalugs. Oh, Loverbugs. Loverbugs. No. Yeah, yeah, Mark, yeah, 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 you've got to be careful around women. They will give you nicknames. There we go. Yes. The lover bug. Okay, we love that. Okay. I'll let you get on with your weekend. Congratulations once again, and we'll be chatting with you soon. Take care of yourself. Okay, thanks, everybody, and appreciate the call. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Take care. Cheers. See you guys. Bye. Bye. That was Dr. Daryl Hardy, Technical Area Manager for Plant Pest and Disease Surveillance at DeepHerd. And the award that he won was the Dr. David Banks Biosecurity Lifetime Achievement Award. And he's a humble man as well, but he's certainly done amazing work here. And, so uh, impressive. He, he forms part of regularly of a lot of radio programs and yep. he's also doing stints or he's been doing stints on Garden Guru as well. Uh, just incredible work. And he's very good talent on air and he just tells it like it is. There's no nonsense kind of guy. I like that about him as well. He also is a palm expert. He grows some amazing, oh, he's unusual obsessed. palms in his garden. If you've, if, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to have a look. And yeah, I've um, had a look. It, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Some variegated ones too he's got hold of. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's a serious palm grower and, mm. uh, yeah, he's quite obsessed with it. So nice guy. He's nice a gardener guy. as well, which uh, is what we love. Look, guys, we'd love to hear from you, 94841927. I think I'm going to give something away, actually, because I, if I don't... Oh, thanks, Bev, she's listening. How about we do the 75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees up there in Pickering Brook? Now, you must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. We know... They specialise in glorious frangipanis, which are still flowering at the moment, ornamental and fruit trees. Now, bigger trees seem to have a constant stream of fabulous new stock arriving every week. This week, small fruit trees have arrived with many different dwarf varieties. There's also a huge range of regular-sized fruit trees uh, that came in as well and a huge range of ornamental trees. I really recommend you jump on their Facebook page to have a look. Treat yourself to the gorgeous autumn colour up at Bigger Trees as well. If you get a chance to go up there, they're located up in Pickering Brook, Bigger Trees Nursery. It is a fabulous place to wander about in. Now you can check out their online options as well by simply going to biggertrees.com.au. Now here's John's question. With the passing of Harry Belafonte this week at the age of 96, it is fairly obvious he never encountered which dangerous creature he mentions in the song Deo the Banana Boat song. So I'll mention that again. With the passing of Harry Belafonte this week at the age of 96, it is fairly obvious he never encountered which dangerous creature that he mentions in the song Deo, the Banana Boat song. This is one of John's curly questions. If you know the answer, give Bev a call, 94841927. And... Let me see. I'm going back to our open gardens. They are located in Beaconsfield, 3 and 7 Smith Street, Beaconsfield. So they're literally next door to each other. They're open today and tomorrow between 10 and 4 a.m. 4 p.m. Thank you. Help me out, guys. (laughs) 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. There's refreshments are available and... The two gardens, you've got one called the Chewy Garden, which is number 3 Smith Street. In that, you can see 
things like a fire pit, there's a fish palm, there's water storage, grey water, edible gardens and much more on a 850 square metre block. So it's quite a large garden. The owner is a talented artist, innovator and horticulturalist and whilst the property is unassuming from the front view, the house and garden work is in unison and uh, you will walk away very inspired. Now, the owners of the other garden, Wilson Garden, at number 7 Smith Street, are keen upcyclers using shade and fun to minimise landfill. An inspiring garden with an extensive collection of plants and items salvaged from verges and op shops and recycling yards. This garden is a sanctuary from the heat and an example of how to create a microclimate. So go and get yourself all inspired this weekend, guys. And for more info, you can search Open Gardens WA to get more details but these two gardens are located in Beaconsfield Smith Street Beaconsfield open today and tomorrow between 10am and 4pm okay and it's a $12 entry fee for both gardens and some of those dollars always go to a charity of their of their choosing so we encourage you to get along and have a look at the sustainability buzz that's the theme for those two very different but sustainable gardens happening in Beaconsfield and also for your diary coming up next month we have the autumn orchid show okay the northern district's orchid show sunday 7th of may that will be between 9 a.m and 3 p.m at the bruce douglas pavilion in salisbury road swanview everything will be there orchids fertilizers demonstrations and plants for sale entry is five dollars seniors only three dollars and it includes a cover pretty pretty good value okay that's located at the bruce douglas pavilion salisbury road in swanview orchid show coming up on the 7th of may between 9 a.m and 3 p.m uh give us a call give bev a call if you'd like a little bit more detail and what you could expect to find there but we will mention this again next weekend for you so just to give you a little bit of reminder all right we shall return Radio. we appreciate your company this morning on let's talk gardening nine four eight four one nine two seven is our number for all of your gardening questions, we have Darren Thorpe and Mark Tukacek in the studio to answer for you. Now, we do have a prize winner. Didn't take you very long. Julie of Thornley. Congratulations. That pass will be on its way to you this week. Let us know what you get with it, Julie. Now, the question was, with the passing of Harry Belafonte this week at the age of 96, it is fairly obvious he never encountered which dangerous creature that he mentions in the song Deo, the banana boat song. The answer is a highly deadly black tarantula. This was one of John's uh, questions. John does like to come up with some unusual things, but he doesn't beat the listeners. They are very, very clever. Quirky. Very, if, yeah, quirky is a very good word. Yes, indeed. So, guys, I know. Um, let's let's go back to the Perth Garden Festival um, just for a moment. Um, I'd like to just sort of touch on that. We haven't been talking about it too much as it, as we're moving closer to it. Uh, yeah, it's been taken the 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 at the top of the. Lisa is now involved. Lisa Passmore is yes. Is, well, she- She's the the CEO now of the gardening of the industry, nursery and garden industry. So yeah. um, they um, have a, a an over an overview of the whole thing because it is their event, but it's actually run by professional event managers. So it's run by yes, um, that's right. corporate sports. Yeah, and it's actually now at Langley Park. So yeah. it's in the city. So um, 
at Langley Park, one end is all the parking area because one of the things about a garden show is that you normally end up buying a plant or two. So oh, for sure. So while you could take public transport, how are you going to get your plants home? So they do have parking down at one end, one end for exhibitors, um, one end for um, for people who are coming in, for uh, fee-paying um, um, clients. And um, they normally have a shuttle bus from... From if you get there late and you're right at the end, they'll often have a shuttle bus going down to um, from the the back end of the parking down to where you get in. Um, but it's it's a great day, and what I say to people, um, if you don't support it, it'll go. Exactly. You know, they mm. they get about forty five thousand people over the four days, mm. and mm. if you compare that to say something like the Melbourne Flower and Garden Show, which actually runs for an extra day, it runs for five days, they get a, just over a hundred thousand. So you know that's and that's the biggest um, show in the southern, southern hemisphere. hemisphere. Mm. So when you consider we're getting about forty five thousand, it's actually a really good turnout. Mm. So the the show started off, of course, as Garden Week, yeah, in Perry Lakes, and it's actually been going for fifty years now. Yep. So it's the longest um, garden show in Australia. Yep. And it's it's a great event to get ideas. Um, so you can get um, advice, gardening advice, ideas. And a lot of people, um, a lot of wholesalers actually bring out new release plants at that stage too. So it's a good... Yeah, that's what I love, new release. It's a good idea. It's a good opportunity to pick up new plants yeah. that haven't been on the market. Um, we're, ourselves, we're taking on a, a dwarf uh, potocarpus, which is an Illawarra plum. I was going to say, please explain. There you yes, go. Yes. Uh, so Illawarra plum is a, it's a native conifer with an edible... Uh, fruit or droop. It's got a hard seed and a, a droop, but it's a um, it's a slow growing tree. But uh, we've got a, a newer one in, which is a dwarf form, so it's only a shrubby form, mm. and uh, we don't even have a label for it yet. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that we're um, so we're taking that along to just gauge people's reactions to it and mm. see what they think. So, and that's just our own um, uh, display. So there's lots of other people introducing new plants at the show so you can pick up new and interesting things there. Now, I have to say about that plum, one time when you had some plums, you made some muffins, didn't you? I did, yeah. And I, I, made... I, I say this because you gave me a muffin and it was delicious. The plums, <laughs> I mean, the muffin was good, but the plums in it, they, they were... Next plum. level? No, they were plum-like. Because it's a conifer, it had that slight piney taste yes. of fruit. Yes, yeah, it's different. It's, it's different. really different. So we just substituted out the blueberries and put the Illawarra plum um, in place of the blueberries. So um, there's so many things you can do with you know native fruit like that. Mm. But, um, yeah, but the, the show in general is a, a great opportunity. I think uh, if everyone yeah. gets down there and supports it, there's a lot of... Uh, smaller growers there too, smaller nurseries that have a few quirky things that aren't mainstream. So you can pick up a few unusual things. Indoor plants. There's always lots of indoor plants. And, um, you know, that's one of the great trends. And lots um, of unicorns, yes. Yeah, lots of mm. things that you, 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 don't, you don't see all the time. I mm. mean, I've, I actually built a whole new, well, in my bathroom, I, I built this room that's just a- with a bath and a wall and 
my husband's not listening because he's in the country at the moment, but so, really it was actually built because it's like a conservatory so I can have like some amazing indoor plants there. So um, I've got a wall of Hoyas and um, some unusual palms in there. It's um, So I'm always on the lookout for interesting indoor plants. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's a little bit of an addiction. Yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, yeah, a very expensive one too. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. And then when you go away, you've got to get someone in to water your plants. That's, that's the trick, isn't it? You could buy these uh, plants that are a little bit, you know, different. And then I thought, oh, my goodness, what if I go away? Because this one does this and this one has that. And, you you know, and it's it's I I kind of know how to look after them, but I don't know if I can get someone else to do the I same thing. I have to thing. say, when you get someone else in, they overwater. Yeah. They they do because, you know, I've done that for other people because I want them to know that I've watered their plants. I want them to know that they've been looked after and they do overwater. They overwater or they'll they'll leave them in a soggy, you know, they'll, <laughs> yeah. have, they'll leave the bottom on, they won't let them drain and, and they'll yeah. be sitting in water and you come back and sometimes you just have to send them to the great the great garden centre in the sky, you know that you're not going to be able to bring them back. <laughs> that would be my fear. So tell me about, we do have to go to a break in a couple of minutes, but tell me about the All The Dirt podcast. It says you are coming up for your 200th episode, yes. Yeah. So All The Dirt podcast, um, I, we started it six years ago, so I do it with Steve Wood. And Steve Wood and I started it six years ago. It's the most popular gardening podcast in Australia. Mm. We've had um, one and a half million downloads. So that's, um, you know, we're, we're really proud of it. We've had a lot of um, people around the country, um, experts in their field on there. And Steve and I talk about gardening. But to celebrate 200, the 200th episode, we're having a free event mm. um, in Highgate on May 21. Um, but you must get a ticket if you want to come so yeah. um, it's on the in the afternoon it's a Sunday afternoon um, go to our website all the dirt um, well .com.au, um, you'll find it quite easily. And there's a link there to get a ticket. So at the event, Steve's going to talk about growing vegetables. Steve is the best vegetable grower ever. He's mm. just, there's no one that grows better veg than him. Mm. And he's going to talk about vegetable growing. I'm going to talk about um, my tips to make gardening easy. So, well, I'd like to hear them now, actually. <laughs> you might hear them after the break. Well, but, yeah. I, can't, I can't share them all, but I might share one or two, okay. um, one or two tips. And um, and there's going to be cake, and it's free. So, um, you know, normally when if you go to workshops, you have to pay, but we're saying get a ticket, and we'd like to, you know, just all celebrate our, all our people who've been listening in and yeah. help to make us the the number one um, gardening podcast in Australia. It, that is massive, massive. Um, uh, how often do you do the podcast? Is it weekly or fortnightly? We do it fortnightly, mm. but there's lots of other gardening podcasts out there now. So mm. we're really quite proud of the fact that we're so popular. Um, the Diggers Club yeah. um, have actually got their own podcast now. And when Steve and I heard that that was, was coming and it started off, we thought, oh, no, we're going to be knocked off the number one um, spot. But no, we're How still How long there. have you been number one? Um, we've been number one for about the last four years. Wow, that yep. is just incredible. You know, I mean, we have great listeners. And, you know, people that listen to the podcast, um, they, we have a lot of feedback from them. Um, and I have to say, like, if they write to us with a gardening problem, we always write back. Normally, you know, within hours or the same day. And 
Um, we have a lot of young listeners um, and we really appreciate the fact because young people are really into podcasts. I mean, it's like a radio yeah, program that yeah. you can listen to on your phone whenever you want. At your leisure. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people are starting out and people say to us, oh, I listened to one podcast and then I went back through your whole back catalogue. You can imagine that can take you a while when you've got you know almost 200 episodes. Mm. Um, so that's been really good. And if you have never listened to a podcast um, and you've got a mobile phone, you can download them to your mobile phone. And I listen when I'm gardening. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll yeah. be doing a task in the garden. Um, you don't even need um, earphones. I just have it on, on loud in yeah. my pocket. Yeah. And I just think I'm, you know, I'm in the garden, I'm doing mm. something and I'm, um, you know, and I'm, I'm learning something mm. at the same time. Mm. So, yeah, so hopefully, yeah, go, go and get yourself a ticket um, because we've only got a limited number because the um, the Hall, St Albans Church Hall in Highgate only takes a certain number of people. And we need to know how many people because I have to know what size cake to get. Okay? <laughs> Right, yeah. well said. <laughs> you know, you okay. don't want to come and miss out on cake, so you've got to get a ticket. They're free, though, but come. Brilliant. If, if I came, I'd need a bigger slice, I think. <laughs> Likewise. We'll be back shortly. And we're back. We will be heading to the news at 9am. Special guests in the studio this morning with me, Mark Tuchek and Darren Thorpe. We haven't actually had a phone call from a listener. Challenge these guys. They've got the answers for you. Uh, don't waste this opportunity. 94841927. And you can also go to gardening at curtainfm.com.au as well. We were talking just off air about favourite plants and you, you mentioned the beautiful carrots. I love Carrick's Feather Falls. Yeah. Of all the new release plants that have come in, probably in the last 20 years. This one's a that winner. That one's a winner. So um, I tell you what I like. I like everything about it. I like the fact it's no maintenance, N-O maintenance. I yeah. mean, that's got to be a winner. I like the fact that the person who gave me the plant is sitting next to me. Mark <laughs> yeah. gave it to me. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that it will grow in full sun, part shade and full shade. Yeah. It grows everywhere. So it has, it's a strappy leaf plant. It has um, variegated white strappy leaves, Mm. um, green with a white stripe. The feathers are, well, miniature, tiny, tiny miniature like pampas grass, but not really. I just grow it for the foliage. Um, And it's it's super easy. So I've I've got it in a hanging basket. I've got it in part shade. I haven't got it in full sun because mm. I have to save that area for my roses. Mm. But it just gives that sort of tropical look and needs no maintenance. I yeah. mean, there are hardly any plants out there that need no maintenance. And what it do looks you think, spectacular. What do you think about it's, it, Mark? It's super tough. So I was at uh, Domus Nursery at the time, and that was in a mm. new introduction from Plants Management Australia, which uh, concentrated on bringing new varieties uh, to gardeners. And... It, it is a brilliant plant. I've actually got that in my garden too, in a shady spot. And uh, the other day, uh, Brendan bought uh, his dog Nelly around. Yep. And Nelly squashed three of them uh, <laughs> oh. within within an inch of their life. <laughs> and because she's and a they t- really that, big dog. And they bounce back. And I didn't do anything thing. to them. And these things have slowly Survived. just bounced back. And it's interesting too because the variegation in the in the leaves. A lot of variegated plants with a cream leaf do get like a dirty uh, brown 
uh, yes. colorant. Yes. But these ones stay relatively clean. Yes. And I just throw a little bit of slow release fertilizer on them, and yeah. that's it. I really don't do much. They just to need. Them at all. They obviously need some water over summer. Yeah, but they like get everything else. Yeah, mine, mine get twice a week watering. Mine too. But uh, really, I don't do anything. I don't trim them or mm. clean them up and you know, it's a lovely plant and these ones have just bounced back all by themselves. So yeah. they're like a fountain of colour. They're just they're just beautiful and mm. if you've got a dark shady spot you want to have things with some variegation in it, some cream in it because that makes the area look lighter it and brighter. Does. Otherwise it, it can look dark Very and dingy. Dark. We're, just, yeah. we're just green, exactly. Okay, let's head to Ferndale. Michael, good morning. Yes, good morning. I'll just get in before the news. Yes, please. Um, about four years ago, I had a, a rose garden to be proud of. And then, of course, chili trip decimated about 80% of it. Yeah. I did try again, but then the little plants, they just couldn't handle it. So I've got a, a wet compost heap, and I bury it throughout the garden um, to fertilise the garden. And I've got um, butternut pumpkins, um, the plain skin pumpkins and watermelon growing through my garden now. Now, will they ripen or will they just rot away in this weather? Uh, the butternut pumpkins? So what, yeah. what stage are they? How big are they? They're fairly big, but they're not turning brown. Okay. Are they they're in full sun? Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, when we get the sun, yes. Okay. Well, yeah, borderline, uh, because it's starting to get cold, you know, the the plants will be starting to not thrive. They won't be pumping nutrients and, and water into the fruit. The the watermelons right. for sure are not going to be successful, so I'd yeah. pull the watermelons up now because there's no chance. They need yes. intense, that, intense heat. So, yes, um, they're huge. They're huge, and I picked one the other day, and it's just white with a flush of pink through it, and that's it. It's, yeah. it's they, not... They, it, it needs the the sun to really warm up, so it's really sad. But you're going to have to find someone that's got some um, chooks and give them because they'll love the seeds in them. But the pumpkins, right. the pumpkins mm. may, but it just uh, we're we're not sure whether there's going to be enough sunshine. We've got a lovely week of sunshine coming but up. But if mm. if they're not fully ripe, pumpkins are really flavourless, don't mm. you think, Mark? Yes, yes, that's right. Yes. Oh, okay. Seems such a shame to destroy them all. <laughs> it does seem a terrible shame. And they're such great ground covers. You know, the other oh, thing that's... That's why I left them. It, it covered the whole garden. It yep. shaded the whole garden. It was a treat to see the magpies coming and lifting the leaves up. Oh, uh, I tell you what's another lovely <laughs> ground cover for when it warms up to get some slips out there, and that's sweet potato. Um, mm. Ground covers in yeah. the garden. Sweet potato will be one of the nicest ground covers and one of the most productive ground covers. But it's not the time to put it in because they don't. They're a tropical plant. They don't like winter. Yeah. So now's the time yeah. to um, get some sweet. Have a sweet potato on a jar, um, on your window ledge. Get some of the slips. You know, on a jar on your on your kitchen window or somewhere like that. It will then start yep. to shoot, and then you can take those shoots off and plant them out in. In spring, and that will be one of the most beautiful ground covers you've ever had. Lovely, thank you very much. Thank hey, you. Good on you, Michael. <laughs> it's a shame, though. It's yeah, a shame. It sure is. Okay. Take care, love. Okay, thank you. Thank All right, you. we are heading to the 9 a.m. news. Gail, stay with us. We will be with you right after this. 
And the temperature's jumped up to 13.4 and the humidity's dropped down to 61%. Sunny today with a maximum of 21 and overnight this minimum will be 7 and sunny day tomorrow with a maximum of 23. And looking ahead to Monday, a maximum of 24 and sunny. And I'm just having a look at the temps. We actually go up to about 27 on Wednesday. It's a perfect autumn week, perfect for your gardens. And our rainfall for April 45.4 mils. Now, the average April fall is 37.2. So we're actually tracking quite nicely, given we had that large break of rain from around November through to February, March thereof. So we are going not too badly. Let's go straight out to the lines. We're in Hamilton Hill Gale. Thanks for holding. Good morning, everyone. Um, I was just listening to you talking about the Carex feather balls. And I um, planted one last year and it's growing beautifully. And uh, after it flowered, I had dozens and dozens of little ones come up all around the base of it. But they're all green, just green, not variegated. Yep. So I just wanted to know what would they be called rather than the Carex Featherfalls? Because being a hybrid, it would be bred from something else? Or So yeah, it is a hybrid and it would have been selected a form that was variegated from an original green batch. So your, yes. your ones have just reverted. Uh, they propagate it by tissue culture. Yes. And uh, so that's how they can clone these particular types of plants so those little green ones won't ever go variegated so you no they're just a carex just a normal green carex is what they are okay because they've still got all the curly leaves and um they're beautiful i mean i've yeah. got about 50 of them in gosh pots. Because I just so if I wanted to get one that was variegated, um, how would how would I propagate that? Well, you, you you could run the risk of splitting it, but you'd you'd probably end up, you know, doing a little bit of damage or you know. Okay. Yeah, you, you could right. do it technically. So can you cross-pollinate with? I mean, if you ha- if I left the plain green one next to the variegated one. Um, when it produced all these little babies again, would there be a possibility then? No, no. Unlikely, yeah. very unlikely. Yeah. Race down to your local garden centre and, and <laughs> pick one up. You know, yeah. save yourself a lot of grief. You yeah. know, the nursery industry is not a, an industry you get into to make yourself millions. I mean, there are much better <laughs> ways of making money, and so I, sometimes we have to go out there and support them because if we don't support our, our small local garden centres, they won't be here tomorrow. Oh, that's right. I do understand that. And I did actually go and buy another one. Oh. I just thought, well, I've got all these green yeah. ones and I thought, yeah. oh, maybe I could do something with them. Good on you, Gail. And you're living in a nice area. I grew up in Hamilton Hill, so um, I love the area. Oh. Thank you. Anyway, have a good day, everyone. Yep. Thank you very much. Good on you, Bye-bye. Gail. Thank you, love. All right, and let's head to Hall's Head. No pun intended. Sue, good morning. Yes, good morning. How are you all? We're good. fabulous. That's good. Um, I'm trying to get hold of a... It, years ago, my mother gave me a golden candle, which is a lutea. Um, 
and then it died and years later I bought another one and now that's died. How, where would I be able to procure this golden candle plant? Well, they're, um, again, they're a warm climate plant. Um, I think the botanical name is Pachystachia or something like that, Pachystachia lutea. Uh, and, yes. yeah, so they're a, a semi-tropical plant, so you get them through the warm months in garden centres. I doubt whether they'll be in stores now because it's getting a bit cool so generally you can pick them up like when it's very hot you know around christmas time uh the summer months and yeah probably just in the little indoor section in the in the shady section in the, in the garden centers you should be able to find right. them. what i recommend yeah, I is going to a good little garden center near you or even if you have to go into one um in you know further away um put your name down ring them up Say this is what I'm looking for. Can you please ring me when it comes in, and then you know. Yeah, that I did that. Um, I, oh, I think it was Hilton um, or somewhere around there. There was a garden centre, and I rang, and they said yes. I put my name down, and this was before Christmas. And then I never heard back. Right. They said probably mm-hmm. February, March, or. It, or, or very much looks like the shrimp plant, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's the same kind of family, that Bella Perone family, but uh, this is Patchy Statues. I don't know, maybe even uh, the uh, the Perth Garden Festival might be worth trying too. Yes, so yes, if people can grow it indoors, that you might. But I, that's what I would do, and I wouldn't just I wouldn't just put my name down at one garden. No, place. I'd ring around. Definitely. I would ring around a yeah. lot, and then because yeah. some of them are more proactive than others, and mm. that that's what no. that's what I would be doing. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you very much for your help, Thanks, guys. Sue. Good luck with Have it. Good weekend. You too. Bye. Thanks, okay, thank Sue. Thank you. Bye. And let's head to Coolblup. We're saying good day to Christine. Good morning. Yeah, hi. Um, I'm, I'm looking to put a hedge in along a fence line. Um, there's a back kind of fence. Um, it sits east. The sun sets over my house in the west. You know, it's like a six-foot fence. And it's about, I want something that's probably about three metres high. It's about 15 metres long and one metre wide. It's, it's, it's along a um, drive. Will, will you give it some water in summer? Will it have reticulation? I'd rather it was water-wise, but yes. I mean, it, but yeah, we, I don't really want to water it too much, to be honest. Um, if there's something that's kind of more water-wise. A lot of things that are water-wise over our summer, you know, to have a really good yeah, dense, yeah, to yeah, have no, a really good dense hedge. My my favourite yeah. hedge will be Viburnum tinus, but you are going to have to water it over summer and if you don't, it won't survive, especially in the first couple of years. So my favourite... How much water? Well, over the first summer, I would be giving it twice a week water. Um, oh yeah, that's fine. Over what? What would you suggest? So viburnum tinus is a good one. It's a very dense hedge. A nice dark green makes a wonderful backdrop. It does. It trims really well. So, how much uh, sun would it get again? Does it get full sun or yeah, just a little bit of shade? Full sun? No, no, no. It's pretty much full sun. Yeah. Full sun. Well, there are little skinny plants now too. Like there's a uh, there's a skinny calistemon called slim yep uh, which is a which is a bottle brush and uh, that's kind of 
small and so it trims easily into a hedge so you can plant a lot of them along and just keep trimming them away. They're pretty water-wise once they're established. If you want something that's more relaxed, not just quite hedgy, I'm actually just this week, last week, last Saturday, I spent last Saturday um, planting a hedge at a rental property um, so it's not going to get any water. But it's not a dense hedge, it's a very relaxed hedge and I planted um, Calathamnus quadrifidius. So What's that? Does it have a, a common name? Uh, it's a one-sided bottle brush. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. And so, mm. yeah, they trim very well. They and, tr- mm. What yeah. about Western Sorry, what was that called? What was the common Cal- name? One-sided bottle brush. But the most common okay. one you'll find is, quadru- uh, is uh, Calathamnus quadrifidius. And what I like about it, it's native, obviously, and we use that a lot. One of the other jobs I do is we work in... Um, Reveg work. My husband has one of the biggest revegetation planting businesses in the state. This year, I've just been bragging. This year, we're going to plant 1.1 million plants over the three months of winter. And wow. one of the plants that's really good when we do the reveg that doesn't need subsequent water is this Calathamnus. So if you put this in, you might want to give it just a tiny bit of water over summer just to, to get it going and over yeah. the first year or so. Look but then it. you wouldn't necessarily... Make, if you could water it, you know, once a week over summer for the first win, first summer, maybe two summers, you'll never have to touch it again. And that's... And is and but that's not very dense, did you say? It's not as dense as say the um, as the viburnum tinus, but you look at it online. Um, how dense okay. do you think it is? It's not as dense, but no, it's... no, you'd have to trim it quite a bit. Um, what about your Maria paniculata? Maria paniculata, as long as I would still run a reticulation line yeah, down there and give it yeah. twice a week watering. Uh, Maria paniculata is called orange jessamine. That's mm. a really popular hedging plant, and you get a little nice um, white flower with a perfume. I just love the softness of the yeah. leaves. I love yeah. it, but that mm. I didn't suggest that because it's going to need water. more water. A bit of water, yeah. Mm. The other one, yeah. well, you still need a bit of water. Uh, we've got a in the Tuckerbush Range. There's a, a lily pilly, uh, which is mm. a dwarf lily pilly, and it grows naturally to three meters, and they trim very well. They make a nice hedge. But I would still make sure it got, you know, twice a week watering. And yeah. that's a, yeah. a tuckerbush, it's called tuckerbush cherry. And it's got a little um, tuck, uh, lily pilly type fruit as well. So if you want to eat your hedge, that's an option. <laughs> <laughs> the other good thing is you must improve the soil. No matter what you put in, I, mean, I yeah. always improve it with some clay and some compost. And remember that, that you know, the, the summer's going to be hot and you really want to get your roots down nice and deep. And that's why I always say over the first couple of summers, I know people want, say, if you plant local area natives, you don't have to water them. But if you water them, they'll look better because you don't mm. want plants in your garden that look like they're yeah. just hanging on. Correct. And our summers are long and really hot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. We've got some other natives that we do water twice a week. So and how how spaced out should they be to, you know, make the hedge? Like how many plants, say, for a fifteen metre length would we need? So I mean about it depends on the on the plant, but it'll not be about fifty centimetres apart. Yeah, so really what you 18. want to do is yeah, like between fifty centimetres and a metre mm. if you plant them at that distance. But make sure you 
don't let them grow to the height that you want and then start trimming. So start trimming yeah. them so they thicken up from the base. Yeah. So yeah. Start, start trimming straight away and just gradually increase the height. It, it does seem hard, but yeah. often we say with hedging plants, buy them, cut them in half and then plant them. I know mm. you're not going to want to do that. No one wants to do that, <laughs> but that's actually one of the best ways to do it. Yeah, no, that's fine. No, I'll take your advice. Thank you. And Christine, I, I'm not sure of this. The, the experts will tell me. Uh, Diane of Rockingham phoned in and she says she has a tea tree hedge, which she cuts back and it just keeps on coming. Do you yeah. guys know yeah. Yeah. about that oh, one? Know. And yeah, apparently there was a segment on hedging on Gardening Australia last night. Oh, 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 okay. You can watch well, that on iView. So you've spoiled for choice now, Christine. Great. Thank you very much. Good luck with it. Cheers. All right. Bye. Bye for now. And let's head to Lakelands. Doug, thanks for waiting. Uh, that's fine. Good morning, everyone there. Morning, morning, morning Doug. <laughs> i just got a quick question I'm sure you can answer for me. Um, we bought a Collius. Collis, Collius, Collis. Uh-huh. Collis, yeah. Yeah. Very pretty one too. It's uh, dark green and dark purple. Looks really good. Now the problem is we got it in a pot in about a oh, two fifty mil, three hundred mil pot. Uh, it's growing up instead of out. Can I safely cut the top off it? You can. And guess what? You should do when you cut the top off. You should pop Put it that in. Water. Yeah, yeah. Had oh, you're a good gardener. Put it in water and get some more. But coleus don't like this cold weather that's coming up. What do you think about that, Mark? They they they're not very fond of the cooler. No, that's right. And but certainly tip pruning is a, a great way to help bush them up and uh-huh. uh, thicken them up. Uh, but yeah, the growth will slow down now as it gets colder. So if it's in a pot, make sure it's in a in a warm spot that doesn't get too wet and mm. uh, then it should just keep on going. Yeah, I've got to cut probably, I'm looking at it now, I've probably got to cut 200 mil off it. Is that all right? 20 centimetres. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. It might look a little bit ugly for a while, but, uh, you know, if you if you do the, 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 the gradual tip pruning, then they don't, you don't have to do the hard prune. Yeah, and what about water? I just keep them damp. Um, you can let let them dry out between waterings, but if you let them dry out in the middle of summer, they'll certainly wilt. Yep. Um, yeah. But just keep them damp to touch. Over winter, yeah. they won't want it because they're not growing and it's colder. They really will slow down. So over winter, I actually do the trick of using my finger, putting my finger into the potting mix, and <laughs> I never water again until it's you know really dry over winter. But over summer, they like to be kept wet all the time. Mm. Uh, they're a tropical plant. You've just got to think, where do they come yeah. from? And they won't like winter. They just don't. Yeah, yeah. we did pretty well, actually. Probably shouldn't tell you this, but we paid about 15 bucks for it. It was in pretty good nick, but I cut a couple of cuttings off it, and believe it or not, they've grown, and we've got three of them now. Good on you. Good on. A real green thumb, or should I say a red thumb or a purple thumb, because they have such beautiful colour. Colour is amazing. Yeah, this one is really pretty. Like, it's a dark purple and a dark green leaf, and it's really nice. I've been growing some of those in my conservatory. But um, yeah. one of them didn't survive my last trip away. Um, yeah. The person looking after it was not as diligent as me. Mm. There's uh, <laughs> such a wide range of colours in the leaves and uh, they're in stores now too, mm. so you can uh, pop down and yeah. add to the collection. Yeah, okay, good on you. Thanks very much for your help. Thanks. Have a lovely weekend. You too. Thanks, Doug. Okay, see ya. All right, and we will be back in a moment. Getting radio. 
And you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening. And my special guests this morning, Mark Tuchek and Darren Thorpe, no less. Now, it's 23 minutes after 9 at 10am. George Minoldi will join you with a classic 60s. We have an email that came in. Get you to yes, go okay. through that for us, if you would, Mark. So this is from uh, Lainey. Yeah. And uh, Lainey sent a picture in of her grapefruit tree, which is getting a whole bunch of little black uh, insects down the new growth, mm. which are aphids. So this time of the year, aphids tend to run amok uh, on lots of different plants besides citrus. And hibiscus. I've seen a lot of hibiscus, hibiscus. at the moment with it. Yep. Lots of citrus. Got them yep. over my Mandy Villa. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of rife for little aphids to uh, their populations because they give birth to live young. They just populations explode overnight. And uh, very easy to control. What would you do, Darren? I'd give them a quick spray of white oil. White oil is a really safe thing to use in the garden or horticultural oil, which is the same thing. Um, mm. Yeah, that just smothers the, the holes and kills them. Or if you didn't want to use anything, because the, when the ladybirds come, they'll, they'll start to tackle them. You could actually just um, squash them. Or you could um, get rid of them with a jet of water. Yeah, mm. so a little um, hand spray with a little on the the jet fixture. Yes, and it's quite satisfying just watching them fall <laughs> off. You know, just yeah. squirting them. As long know. as they don't jump back on. You can make you mm. know pow pow noises when you're doing that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they're very easy to control. And um, but even if you didn't do anything, they would distort the new growth, make it look a bit ugly for a bit. But the tree would eventually get over it. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. I've never made piao piao noises no. when I. I'm when going I to next time. Up, but I'm going to. Just make, make sure the neighbours are watching while you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. They already think I'm eccentric. Yeah, my pleasure. I was going to say yes with one of my neighbours. Look, we're big supporters of the Kalamunda Garden Festivals on Let's Talk Gardening. Four major events are happening, and one has already happened this year. Uh, absolutely wonderful concept. Thanks to Andrew and Mandy. Now, look, they're bringing Costa Georgiadis over from Gardening Australia. And we have a double pass to a Costa chat, which would be on Saturday, May the 13th. Okay, now the winner of this little competition can choose from a chat that runs between 11.30am to 1.30pm. It's called Growing Food and the Soul. Or there's another chat at 3pm to 5pm called Biodiversity in the Soil and Garden. Costa will be joined by local expert Trevor Cochran for both of these chats. You'd get to choose which one you'd like to go to, you and a friend. And the prize is valued at $150 and also includes Costa's book called Costa's World, Gardening for the Soil, the Soul and the Suburbs. Just about all of us have that book and uh, I can recommend it. Love the book. And Costa will autograph it for you. And there's also the opportunity to grab photos with Costa afterwards. Okay, so it's a fantastic prize. It's a one-off opportunity to meet Costa, uh, have your photo taken, listen to his chats, which are incredibly inspiring. He can just talk. He just closes his eyes and talks, and I just find I could sit there and listen to him for days. He's one of the most genuine people I've ever met. Yeah. Like, he really loves what he does, and he loves yeah. people, and he gives to the community He gives like so no much, so much. So if you'd like to win this prize... You must be a Curtin FM member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Here's your question. Thank you to John. Uh, when did Costa take over as the host of Gardening Australia? When did Costa take over as the host of Gardening Australia? Give Bev a call, 9484 
1-800-1927. And you can be going along to one of Costa's chats uh, for free. Grab, get his book authorised, get your photos done, meet him, have a, have a great chat. It's a, it's a one-off opportunity. Give Bib a call now, 9484 1927. Go go to it. It's truth. Okay. I'd, li- I'd like to win that prize, actually. And, oh, I know. And everyone that misses out, we're going to have Costa on the All the Dirt podcast as a 200th episode. Oh, oh, that's a win. So yep. so while he's in town, he's going to pop down. He'll be up in Kalamunda. He's going mm. to pop down the hill to my house. He's been wow. there before. I have to get in some Greek biscuits because he loves those little, you know, the, the crescent Greek biscuits. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, he's been to, you know, I've had him in my garden a few times because we've yeah. been worked at a few festivals before. We've been out to the veggie patch and picked Silverbeak to have omelettes after we've got back late one night. So, oh, my word. Yeah, so, yeah, mm. so he's going to be on the podcast. So if you miss out, you can still hear him. Um, but it's a great, it's a great event, um, a fa- fabulous event, and we all love his book. Yeah, oh a, yes, Costa's a rock star. I did a road, I did a road trip <laughs> uh, with him from Adelaide to Quorn last year for the Condong uh, Festival, and uh, he's such a, a giving person of his time. He is because you know he's recognised instantly everywhere, everywhere he goes. He goes yeah. So I just ended up being his minder for the whole trip, but. Uh, He's a great guy, Costa, so great well, I, great prize. I was with him at the – I drove him – we've also had a road trip. We drove him down to the Nanop Garden Festival and back again, I think. I can't exactly remember. But, you know, he's also beloved by children. Oh, I was just about to say, he's an Cost, amazing with Costa kids. Costa the Gnome. Um, yeah. is, he's been on Dirt Girl as Costa the Gnome. And he would, he's always late for every event if <laughs> yes. he's at a festival because yes. he will not leave until every single child that wants to see him and talk to him and have a photograph with him is looked after because, you know, they're important to him and they are our future, our children. Yeah. I remember when I very first met him, it was at um, the Garden Festival in Melbourne and he was filming and I just uh, was watching him and I wanted to speak to him. And, you know, there were a lot of people around, as you can imagine. And he spotted me and he saw that I was sort of waiting. And my partner was sort of elbowing me saying, you're going to do this. I actually, you know, had to walk up and say, would you like to be on our gardening show? You know, and he just just was, uh, he gave me his phone number straight away. He just was this most giving person, loves the idea of community radio. He's all, all for it. And we've we've had him as a, as a guest ever since. But, you know, he just... He, a lot of people would have just ignored you and walked off. Yeah, for no, sure. not Costa. Yeah. No, yeah. not Costa. He's just he's special, huh? Very yeah. special. Okay, and so that competition is still running. What I wanted to ask you about was uh, if you could provide um, some ideas of a little bit of winter colour, what we can add to colour our gardens through the winter period when things tend to go dormant and... Um, let me talk first. Um, one of the things I love in my garden is I love my winter flowering roses. Yeah. Now, roses have been a little bit more difficult because of chilly thrips. Yeah. Um, thank goodness for the success sprays over summer that mm. have managed to put it out of, um, yeah, get rid of it in my garden. Mm. But the, the ones that grow really well over winter are our tea roses. Yeah. So the tea roses flower right through winter and I cut roses for the house all the time. So um, if you've got full sun and you like roses, I've also found that tea roses have been more resistant to the chili thrips. Is that so? That's I've found that a, a lot of the hybrids, um, a lot of the my Austins, have uh, my Pierre de Ronsards, ones like that, have been a lot, have suffered a lot more, whereas um, d- 
Duchesse de Brabant, now called Comtesse de la Berthe, and uh, Jean Ducher, now called Jean Nabinand, and all of the, the, the tea roses seem to be doing a lot better in my garden. So that's mm. one of the things that I love over winter. They, they're known to flower through that winter period. Mm. Love that. And do you get rose hips as well? I do get rose hips. Some of the, they do have rose hips. I've got, get fantastic rose hips on things like, um, um, oh, I'm just having a a mental break. Yeah, lots of my roses do have rose hips and I leave them on um, just to to add interest. Because they look very ornamental during the the cooler months too, so... Uh, winter colour, well... I know annuals is probably the way to go and certainly going forward, spring is, is a different, but um, I've just had my bulbs just arrived last night, actually. Oh, right. Sent away yep. for a heap of bulbs, but I don't I don't put mine in the garden. I put them into pots. Yes, yeah. What, what sort of pots, uh, what sort of bulbs oh, do you Oh, I knew like? you were going to ask me that. I forget what I've ordered now, so I'll let me think about it, but I, I ordered... Oh, well over a hundred dollars worth of bulbs. Oh, yeah. Just to, okay. well, it's easy, easily done. Yeah. I can I can tell you what I. And Emonies was one of them. Uh, just trying to think. I think I had a dwarf uh, double-headed uh, daffodil. Uh, oh, oh, let me think about it. Uh, mm. In my garden, I always have. Um, I always put in ranunculus yeah, and anemones because they're yeah. quite inexpensive. Mm. Um, mm. Some of them uh, will come up again. Um, mm. I, my my soil has become quite good, and so some come up. Um, yeah. Year after year, yeah. and other ones that come up all the time. Not if you live near bushland. Um, are the barbianas? Yes, which have I've those beautiful those. blue yeah, blue them. flowers. I love yeah. those, and I also love Dutch iris. Yeah, yeah. they're really good, especially in the blues, and they come yes. up year after year. Yeah. So things like your tulips, yeah. I just buy a few for one pot because yeah. they're. They're pretty expensive. And I get a bit disappointed with their flowering time, you know. I sort of want something to last a little bit longer. Yeah, and if you mm. want your tulips to have nice tall stems, they've also got to be in the fridge for six yeah, weeks yeah. Uh, yeah. before you plant them. So. 100%. All right. Let's go out to Yanshit. We're talking about fig trees. Hi, Ed. How are you going? Good morning, everybody. Yeah, I'm doing well. Yourself? Yeah, very well. Just mm-hmm. before we start, Ed, just announcing to everyone that the prize, the Costa Prize, has been won by Marlene from Willerton. And the answer to the question of how long Costa has been hosting Gardening Australia, the answer was 2012. So good on you, Marlene, and we will be in touch with you. Carry on, Ed. Okay, I have a couple of fig trees in my backyard. I'm actually out here looking at them now. And the leaves are uh, in really bad shape. There's a uh, a dark mould colour growing on them and a um, a, a spot, a lighter coloured um, spot that is all over the leaves. I'm told that's some form of scale on up. But what my real question is, what do I need to do to uh, help my trees out here? Well, you're at a good time because the leaves are about to fall off. So the thing about that scale is um, I actually have a, a fig in a pot, a big pot that I keep in a pot because they can get very big, um, is that the, I, I either pick the scale off or I treat it with a, a white oil um, to smother it. But now all your leaves are going to be falling off the tree, so it's not going to be so much of a problem. But I wonder whether you should try and collect them up and put them in the rubbish bin so you don't spread the scale around. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, so scale um, will actually overwinter on the stems as well, on the branches. Uh, yes. Well, so, that was going to be my next question, as a matter of fact, because it seems to be uh, affecting the uh, the branches now as well. Yeah, yeah. So, like Darren said, um, 
So a white oil spray or a, a neem oil is another one you could use. Um, okay. And if you do it now, and, and then just before bud burst in spring, so if you're kind of looking at your figs and you notice that the, the new, new green shoots are starting to come out. Understood. That's when the little scale babies kind of repopulate and infect new growth. So if you spray them then too, that's probably good timing, uh, but okay. fairly easy to control. Trouble with scale though, it looks the same alive as it does dead. Yeah. And the way you can tell is if you squish it, and they're orange and pussy, and they like they're still alive. Mm. But if they're dry and flaky, then you've uh, wiped them out. So they're dead. Okay, and white oil or, or neem? Yeah, there's yeah, neem oil. Yeah, horticultural the, oil. Yep, both of those. Yep. Okay. Well, great. Then I don't have to uh, hack them back or anything like that. That's great news. Thank no, you so much. No, only prune to shape. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Hey, take care. Bye bye. Okay, I'm just opening up my order for you, uh, Darren, because no wonder I can't remember these things. I can't even hardly pronounce them. Sparaxis, a mixed sparaxis. Oh, yeah, sparaxis they're lovely. And they're South African Lachinalia mutable. Lachinalia. They're like soldier boys. That, that's yeah. them. That's yeah. them. And these ones are sort of lemon and purple. Oh, okay. Mutabilis or something. Okay, it's very Mutabilis, which Oh, thank you for correcting me all the time. <laughs> I can't get these uh, names out. Yeah. All right, let's go to Menorah. Diane? Good morning. Oh, good morning. Um, my daughter has got a function coming up in December this year, and she said to me, Mum, could you please grow me some white hydrangeas and white chrysanthemums? And chrysanthemums I know nothing about, and I didn't know if there was such a thing as a white hydrangea. Right. Mm. There is a white hydrangea. The chrysanthemums are wonderful, but chrysanthemums tend to flower in the autumn time. So oh. I don't know. Um, Mark may be able to um, tell me something something else. But to get chrysanthemum flowers in December, you're going to really have to know what you're doing, I would say, and even have like a, a glass house and a blackout yes. curtains and all of that. So that's yes. not really, in my opinion, um something that you'll be capable of but white hydrangeas there are many white hydrangeas on the market and there are some beautiful ones um, different forms the paniculata ones which have long racemes of flowers um, the, the the moth the mop head ones as well um, yeah you'll find them uh, readily available but I tend to find see they're normally available to buy more in the warmer months when they're in flower because few people will buy plants when they're not flowering yes right what, what other I can't think of anything else she wants it all white and she said mum those lovely peony roses and I said I can't grow those. They take forever to grow. No, no. Well, it's too hot here to grow the peony yeah. roses. You can't grow them. Yeah. So can you think of anything else that would be suitable? She wanted like a pom-pom effect. Oh, you can get uh, white agapanthus and there's one oh. called snowball, which is very popular. Yeah. So that yeah. they're easily and readily available. So yeah. um, what, agapanthus? I'd be looking at growing some annuals that are really good for cutting. They're not pom-poms, but what about some of the clear They look really nice. Or the, no, 
not the clem, the cosmos. You can get white cosmos. They're more like a daisy flower, but you could, yeah. if you timed them to grow them at the right time, they would look really, um, they're really striking. And I love having them in the garden because they self-seed. And once you've got um, a cos cosmos, you've got it forever. And I, I really love that plant. Yeah. Okay. Look, thank you so much for your help. Thank you. All right. Good on you, Diana. Take care, love. Thank you. All right, Bye. let's head to tapping. This is a question for Mark. Ideas for feeding parrots. Oh. Ooh. Sharon, hi. Yes, hello. I've got two exotic parrots as pets. They live inside but go into their aviary and we're forever walking around the neighbourhood begging for, you know, gum nuts and stuff to give yeah. them browse. And I've got a whole verge and I was thinking if I was to plant some stuff that was kind of vigorous that I could cut that was parrot safe if you had any ideas parrot safe oh interesting so um I, of course you plant macadamias <laughs> the cockatoos love I was going to say get the whole neighbourhood yeah that's right mm. but um, they're obviously uh, for bigger birds even the dwarf even the dwarf macadamia gets to six metres yeah well that's right but it uh, fruits really quickly though so parrot yeah, safe um, oh that's mm. interesting what about I mean, like they love the like when they're flowering, which is a very short period. They love the bottle brush, and the little guy loves eating the little dead seed heads off the bottle brush. And Pablo, my Alexandrine, can crack an almond, but he loves the gum nuts. There's a particular type of gum nut that he loves, but the trees around the neighbourhood get taller and taller, and you can't reach them. Well, what oh, I would be doing for the gum for the gum nuts is I'll be looking at mallies. So there are mallee okay. mallee um, forms of our eucalyptus that some of them only get uh, a couple of metres tall. So one of my favourites yeah. is um, Cruziana eucalyptus Cruziana. So I'd actually go into my search engine and I will put in small mallies. So, okay. um, and then I will go and look at them. I'd go to Kings Park. I'd mm. go to Kings Park, go around the areas where they've got all the mallies because um, the mallies are multi-stemmed, smaller trees. Um, they have that big root. Um, you can actually cut them right down to the ground and they'll reshoot. It's a... Um, it's because of fire so that they can regenerate. And there's a huge range of them. But definitely look at Eucalyptus cruziana. That's, it's got a special place in my heart. Mm. That sounds ideal because I don't want to get too tall because I want to be able to harvest it. What about Sinandra too? Eucalyptus Sinandra. That's another one that has a another little corner of my heart. <laughs> You've got a big heart. Yeah, big, big when it comes to plants. Yeah. yeah, that's very helpful. Thank you so much. Good on you, Sharon. Good luck. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Okay. Short break. When we return, we are chatting with Anne. Okay. Special guest in the studio with me today, Darren Thorpe and Mark Tuchek. We're going straight out to Chewett Hill. Anne, hi. Hello. I've got a question I had last Saturday about a, a lemon tree that I had in a pot for a little while and then uh, we put it in the ground and it had plenty of leaves. It was going, looked like it was going well. We didn't get any fruit. It's just a small one, about a metre high, I think. And um, anyway, over time, it's lost leaves and it's just got no leaves. There's a bit of green on the stem now. Last week, um, your uh, advisor suggested getting it out of the ground and have a look to make sure that 
uh, it wasn't pot bound when we put the uh, lemon in the in the ground. Well, we we dug it up yesterday afternoon to have a look, yeah. and the roots were nicely sort of spread out. There was root matter in the um, root fibre in the soil as well, and I've got some photos of those as well. Um, but the last leaf came off this week, and so uh, don't know what to do about it. So when you put it in the ground, what did you put in your planting hole? In the planting hole, uh, we put compost and we watered it in with the soil in the pot and filled it in, backfilled it in with sand. Okay, I would have put in a little bit of clay as well. I like the kale and clay. But did you put Mm -hmm. any fertiliser? Because the biggest reason that lemon trees tend to drop their leaves is fertiliser. They get fertiliser, they get too much fertiliser, they go, oh no, and they drop all Uh, their leaves. That might be what's happened because we've been trying to fertilise it a bit, both my husband and I, and um, yeah, we thought that might help. Okay. Okay, so no more fertiliser. Give it a nice, a little bit of clay into the soil, a compost mulch, and give it some seaweed solution. So the seaweed will help to strengthen the roots and get it going again. Um, but no more, no more. And people tend to fertilise, they dump the fertiliser on too much. Um, and mm-hmm. if you're ever going to fertilise, listening in, always water the root zone um, well before you fertilise. Little and often is best for lemons and all citrus. All right. Okay. All right. Now, I did have a question about how other um, citrus in the garden. May I ask you? Go ahead. Okay. So um, on the other side of the property, so this lemon tree is next to a luxuriant grapefruit and a luxuriant mandarin tree. So um, this one that we've been over fertilising. But on the other side of our um, quarter acre block, we had uh, an old lemon tree that would have been about 60 years old when it uh, died. Next to it or near it is a lime tree that's about 40 years old and it had used to have gorgeous, you know, it was productive. It had a lot of fruit and next to it a grapefruit. Now both the grapefruit and the lime tree of lost leaves looking very much like what the lemon tree looked like as it was fading away, just dying, the leaves dying off, all dried off and everything. wondered if you've got any clues about that for me. Compost mulch, not sure what's going on. I would... I hope again that you didn't fertilize it when um, you know when it was was hot and it was dry. I would actually mm. again give it a compost mulch all around right out to the drip line, apply some seaweed solution and um, you know and um, I'd, I'd hold off what would what would you do Mark? Yeah you, so you haven't put any compost up against the stem of the, oh, that's the plant a good because point. because they do yeah. suffer from uh, a condition called collar rot. Which will be a slow, yeah, slow decline of the plant. So you can't at at at, at ground level. So where the stem meets the the soil, yep. does that look okay? Does the, does the stem look okay? Do you know? I think so, but I'll just ask my husband because he's a bit more keen on that. Does the stem where the stem meets the soil is it all? Uh, is look okay? Looks okay. Yes. Looks all right. 
Well, but the leaves and the branches are just gradually dying off. Yeah, I'd certainly investigate that. A wedding agent's also very helpful oh, that's a good in, the, in the drip line, um, especially over the uh, the summer months. But uh, there is a product. If you start to notice that the stem starting to decay, there is a product called Colorot um, spray mm-hmm. that you can use um, at your garden centre. So just yeah, just check is it out. Is the Colorot spray like a phosphoric acid as well? Uh, it's a bit of a copper spray too, so yeah. that's got copper in there as well. Mm. I actually went and did a garden consult last week and um, they're two hugely mature hibiscus and we actually noticed the reason that they died off was Colorot. Is that mm. right? Mm. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks very much. Good on you, Anne. Good luck. I did get some photos of the... um, You did suggest sending some photos in, but I think um, you probably don't need them from what you've told me. I think we'll be right. That was about the little lemon tree. Yes. Mm. Yes, sounds like we've... uh, Darren's got to the source of the problem. Yes. Okay, Lon. Thank you very much. All right. Cheers for that. Bye now. Okay, let's head to South Lake. We're talking about a native frangipani. Florence, how are you? Oh, yes, okay, thank you. Um, uh, I've got a, a very large frangipani native. Uh, it's about oh, at least two metres high. Uh, yeah, that would be right, yes, <laughs> or even bigger. Uh, I cut it back. About two years ago, level with, well, my head roughly, because it had all scale, and I just put them all in the bin, and then it has gone. Has been absolutely beautiful the last few years. Once it really got took off again, now it's absolutely covered in scale. And because uh, I'm nearly 84, I can't get on a ladder or anything, so I've been squirting with the bottle. You know, yep. yeah, it can only go so high; it can't go right up the top. But even then, when I've managed, I can just reach a few leaves, uh, I'm still squashing them. And I used lime sulfate. I've only done it once. And then a niece uh, or somebody suggested that I, I put a type of oil on it. And I've done that once. Um, it's actually a product that comes off of when people do their own, make their own um, uh, diesel, you know, and they do use it. Uh, but it's got some oil in it, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I, is there anything else other than the lime sulfate? Because the other day when I... It's so thick, it almost looks like powder, but when you press them, still blood comes out of them, you know, the little mm, yeah. scaly things. So is there anything can be put in the ground or...? Oh, no, you probably don't want to put anything in the ground, but generally if it's if it's suffering like that, there's something going on... And, with the health of the plant. Um, a lot of the times nature gets uh, sends in the pests and diseases to finish off something if the plant's struggling a bit. How much sun is it getting? Oh, it gets a lot of sun, mm. morning and afternoon, and it's so high. Yeah. Uh, and also it's very close to um, a beautiful um, uh, um, uh, camellia, you so, know, a, um, a um, oh, what do you call it? Um, Dr. Clifford Parks. Oh, lovely. Ilya, you know. And uh, years ago, I thought that would shade the place. Well, of course, it doesn't. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's very big, and, and I'm, that's what I'm worried. And also very, not very far away, uh, which I think uh, it's a um, camellia uh, that is... No, it's a... Um, sorry. 
um, uh, magnolia, uh, uh, white caviar. All right. Okay. So that'll be and that's got beautiful. rust on the leaf. Would that be rust? The little brownie, you know, like little brown spots. Or it could be Very rust, fine. or it could be. Is is it a scale? Can you pick the spots off? No, no. Okay. On that, you can't okay. pick them off. Now, what I will be doing is oh, I will yes. be going out to a garden centre or probably a big box store, and I will be buying a garden sprayer. So you actually pump them up, and then with yes, that, I've got one of those, a double two litre one. Yeah, and then you can actually yeah, get bigger. it up higher, and I will be spraying the whole thing with neem oil. Is that what a neem oil? I reckon that would will give it a good good help. That's I will be purchasing some of that. Yeah, lime lime sulphur is not that good for this kind of uh, pest. Mm. Uh, Lime sulphur is probably better for preventative spray for Mm. fungal diseases on Mm. you know uh, when you prune your roses. But yeah, yeah, neem oil is probably a better spray to use than Mm -hmm. the lime sulphur. So Florence, we've got a wriggle on, love. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. I'll get that. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you all very much. Okay. We shall return. Straight out to the lines. We are in Quinns. We're talking about purchasing clay. A question for Darren. Pauline, good morning. Hi, Pauline. Hello, Pauline. I know you're there. I can hear. Pauline, (laughs) are you there? Oh, actually, I think that line's blocked. Barbara. Barbara. Yes. Yes, okay. I'm here. Hold on. You've got a lemon tree problem as well. I do, but my lemon tree is looking beautiful. It is really very green. It looks luscious and it's in a big pot and it's growing madly. But I'm not getting any flowers on it. How old is it? Um, it was put in the pot about five years ago. How much sun does it get? Pot. How much sun does it get, Barbara? Uh, it would be, it would get, it's it's in the open, so it would get, I mean, it's near a fence, um, but it would get, you know, three quarters of a day sun, at least. Right, that's good. And how tall is it? Well, I'm five foot. We're doing old language here. Um, five foot. Um, I do about six, seven. Oh well, four. it's certainly big enough, isn't it? Well, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, what, it's, I'm not sure why it's not flowing. Have you got some ideas there? The only thing I could say is maybe you're giving it too good a life, and that <laughs> it's putting all its energy into growing foliage and not enough. Not enough energy into fruiting. That's flowing. right. Yeah. So if you if you if you're fussing over it and you give it too much like nitrogen fertilizer, that promotes growth at the expense of flowers. So maybe just lean an axe it next to it or something like that. <laughs> I would definitely well, it scold it. <laughs> I don't get it doesn't get much um, fertilizer, but I sort of googled it and I thought, oh, that says that they need it. Is it that they need? Oh, is it need nitrogen? I put some NPK on a little bit around the edges, around the edge of the pot. Um, but I, that was only about a week ago, so how, that was sort of in my... How big is the pot? Oh, it would be... Um, oh, about three foot wide. It's a big pot. Okay, oh, yeah, that's that, reasonable. That sounds big, big it's enough. It's quite high. It's quite a high, big, deep pot. So okay, it, so... I don't think 
So no more NPK Blue. I want you to go and buy some specialist um, citrus fertilizer. You could also use rose okay. fertilizer. They're the same, um, normally got the same components. And only use that, but water the pot before you apply a small amount. So little and often is the way with um, citrus. So read what it says on the pack, but buy specialist citrus fertilizer. Then you'll know it's got all the nutrients that can help it create flowers so i've got some black marble rose fertilizer would that be all right um you could use that what i would do is actually would look at the components on the back and then yeah. go online and have a look at the components in the citrus fertilizer if they're exactly yeah. the same you could could use that otherwise i'll go out and buy some citrus fert right then okay fine thank you very much indeed and i do love your show thank you thanks barbara take care okay bye and let's talk gardening was sponsored by garden in a bag free delivery when buying six bags or more now guys i'm going to squeeze in one more competition i know it's right at the pointy end of the program so uh yes get get ready you must be a curtain fm member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days bev is uh, her fingertips are waiting to take your call. Now, this is a prize from Green Life Soil Co. It's a $75 gift voucher to go shopping with. So what could you spend your prize voucher on? Well, where do we start? Green Life Soil Co. They have mulches and manures, compost, fertilizers, minerals, sand remedies, soil conditioners, and oh so much more. They even have native fish for your ponds, worm farms, seeds and seedlings, natural pest control solutions and all the soil supplies and amendments you'll ever need. And it's all in one place, guys. So greenlifesoil.com.au is their website, delivering a green garden. Compliments of Linda and Paul Michener. Thank you both. Now, we need to be the third caller through with the right answer. You will take home the bacon. Here is your question. True or false? Daffodil bulbs can be substituted for onions in many recipes. Daffodil bulbs can be substituted for onions in many recipes. True or false? Give Bev a call now on 94841927. Okay. And that might and the phone lines are already ringing, so you know the answer. Now, have we cleared our emails, guys? We've done a couple of emails there. There's, there's just a couple of quick ones. We've yeah. got one about growth at the bottom of a fig tree pot sent from an iPhone um, from Michael, I think it is. And um, all you need to do, it's just a growth from the, the tree, a little um, growth that's come out. Yeah, a little spur that's come little off the bottom there. And ah, yes. And he just wants to propagate that, so you just take a sharp knife to it mm. and cut it off, keep it damp, and uh, pop it in another pot. And as long as you keep it damp, that should turn into a new Shoot fig. away. Yep. We've also got um, Diane Martin who's having trouble with, she's got her daughter's rose in a pot and it's got a little bit of brown on the edge. Um, we had a couple of thoughts. It might have had a bit of spider mite damage. It also could be from too much water. Yeah, so there's, in the pot they've actually used clay and compost, which is not great for me. I don't like anything but potting mix in a in pot. In a pot, okay. In a pot. So many times people buy potting mix and put it in the ground and they buy oh. compost and soil conditioner and they put it in a pot oh. and do We're it the other way around. around. Yeah. yeah. So clay and compost in the ground, I would repot it, use a fresh potting mix only. If you buy an Australian premium potting mix, that's all you need. 
it had spider mite damage. It should recover from that. Um, you can use a little bit of uh, that uh, lime sulfur spray on that, but uh, now that it's not hot, but um, I think a bit of fertiliser too, it'll recover from that. Mm. Okay, thank you very much. All right, well, I know the phones have gone crazy. We're just waiting for a competition uh, winner. Thank you both very, very much. I really appreciate your time today. Um, a, a, a crazy morning as always, particularly in the last hour. Got a chance to have a good chat with you both in the first hour. Yeah, I know you brought a couple of plants just while we're waiting for that answer to come up. Can we have a quick chat about what you brought in? Oh, I, I need okay. to bring the plants in is if, if we get crickets. Um, I thought I'd bring this one in. This one is uh, called Ruby Saltbush. Yeah. And it's so hardy. It's such a hardy plant. It's a local West Australian uh, tuckerbush plant. The fruit has a little salty fruit that you can use in um, condiments, on the in salads and things like that. Mm. And uh, it's such an easy plant to grow in your garden. Once it's established, it doesn't need any watering. Yeah. And uh, it looks after itself. So Ruby Saltbush um, just grows to about... Uh, they can get a prostrate one, which only grows to about half a metre by about um, a metre or so wide. Mm. Some of them do grow a little bit taller, about a metre high, a metre and a half wide. But uh, it's a really interesting tuckerbush plant if you want something good for you and the um, the birds. And it's also used um, in revegetation on really bad salt lands that we're trying to bring back again into production. It's... It's an incredible plant. Um, and I actually find the berries are really quite tasty. I really enjoy them. enjoy eating yep, them. Yep, well, so. I've been crushing this leaf you gave me of this lemon myrtle all morning and getting this gorgeous fragrance of citrus uh, throughout the last two hours. Now, we do have a winner. Uh, Carol of Subiaco has won the Green Life Soil Co. $75 gift voucher. Let us know what you end up getting with that, Carol. The Lucky question, her. Yes, exactly. True or false, daffodil bulbs can be substituted for onions in many recipes false tulips can be you can eat tulip bulbs and we just need to point out that daffodil bulbs are extremely toxic don't eat daffodil bulbs. and they're a okay. lot more they're a lot pricier than onions <laughs> <laughs> yeah quite right well said is there anything you guys would like to say just to finish off the show no i just like to say um thank you for having us thank and, you for um, coming for, for if, your if you wisdom. like the podcast or want to come yeah. along to our free workshop that we've got happening um in st albans church in, or church hall in um, Highgate on the 21st of May. Um, just go to our website, All the Dirt, and you'll um, be able to get yourself some tickets. Thank you, young lady. And it's a beautiful day for gardening, so get down to your local garden centre, buy some <laughs> buy some plants, yeah. and all come <laughs> You've on. You've given us some great, some great ideas. Yeah, come along and see us at the uh, the Perth Garden and mm. Outdoor Living Festival. Yeah, what will stuff. your stand, what, what will the name be on your... Uh, it'll be Tuckerbush. Uh, Tuckerbush. We're site number four, but yep. uh, there's a whole bunch of interesting... Um, they've got the map on the uh, the website now. You can see all the garden centres yeah. that'll be yeah, I saw exhibiting. That's up. Yep. Excellent. Okay. Look, everybody, thank you. It's been a busy morning. Uh, lots, of co- lots of competitions, over $450 worth of prizes today, or 350 I should say. Uh, yeah, absolutely uh, wonderful morning. Thank you both very, very much. And we shall return next week. Faye will be back. Look after yourselves. George Minoldi is very patiently sitting there. He gave us permission to go over. It's all good. It's all good. Happy gardening, everyone. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.